Carl, you said you were notorious. <clears throat> now, before you were known as Amy's husband, you were the geomologist, and before you were the geomologist, you were known as the uh, Game Master Extraordinaire, or GME. So I think your new name should be the Notorious GME. Hey there, BJ. Thanks for the kind words. Maybe I will change my name to Notorious. Even with that Notorious, that gut, almost guttural vocal ideation. Notorious, geomologist, robotic. So, uh, yeah, pretty fun. I don't pick these names. People pick these names for me, I guess. I think I'm Notorious because sometimes I can come across as a very, as one of those players who questions things. Just not bad. I have one of those players too who's been playing for me with for 20 years, so maybe that's where I get it. So uh, yeah, there we go. The, the, the notorious geomologist extreme. The notorious GM extraordinaire. Hmm. I gotta think about that. For now, just geomologist. Notorious is fine. Thanks for the call there, BJ. And we'll talk to you soon. Yo, Carl, your solo episode was awesome, dude. Uh, that was really, really cool. Thanks for doing that. I have Alone Against the Flame, and I've read parts of it, but I've never actually gone through it. Uh, maybe I will. I don't think, you know, I heard Jason talk about how he didn't want it spoiled, but I don't know. I think you could still run through it without it being totally ruined. And, you know, who cares? <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, and I, speaking of Jason, I know this will maybe be a shock to him, but I think Agents of Edgewatch sounds like a fun adventure, man. Sounds like a fun adventure to play in. A little crime procedural, procedural, whatever. You know the word I mean. I had a lot of beers last night. Anyway, dude, <laughs> take it easy. I got to listen to your um, your latest episode now. I got to catch up. All right, later. Joe, thank you so much. I didn't know how that would turn out, but I'm glad at least one person has liked it. It's gotten a few plays. I know it's a little longish. <clears throat> and in the weekend, people are busy. They don't do their regular routine when I, where I guess they listen to podcasts on their way to work or whatever. We're doing chores. Weekends are for taking breaks and partying, maybe. Who knows? But I'm glad that came across well. I might do future Alone Against... In the future, I might do other Alone Against. I think I have uh, several of them. I know I have one that's a, as a print product. I want to say it's Alone Against the Dark. I don't know. I got it. I just got it at, at uh, Dragon's Lair <clears throat> a few months ago, buying it with another big product. I said, eh, I might as well. It looked pretty cool, and it's fun to do it in print as opposed to on the PDF. Although I guess you could PDF, you could just do a search for the entry and, and go to it. I think I did uh, the Wendigo one on PDF. But, um, yeah, it was pretty fun and interesting, and it, you made a character in it. So I wonder if you, in the other Alone Against, do you have a pre-gen, or you could take that character to go into those games, which would be kind of interesting to figure out, or just make a new character like in this one. Although this was, this was in the Call of Cthulhu starter set, so you... You know, it's introducing you to play and how how you roll the dice, and uh, you create a character therein. So, 
and again, I don't think, like I shared with Jason, I don't think it's a spoiler. Um, If you've read H.P. Lovecraft, The Festival, well, you kind of have the plot of it. But it is a choose-your-own-adventure, so it's in theory, it's supposed to be different every time. And if you fail some of those roles, well, it gets worse, right? Or it could end tragically. So... Yeah, it's pretty fun, and I'm glad you liked it. Thanks for the encouragement, because it makes me want to do more. Hello, and welcome to RPG A Day 2021. This is day 30. There are two days left, including this one, and today's topic is mention. Really, I think I'm just going to make this pretty short and sweet that um, I'm going to mention Heroes Save Villages run by Kevin Madison of the Dungeon Musings Media Empire. I played three of his games this weekend and I'll recap the latest one here in a segment. But I just wanted to mention what how cool it is that he has integrated the hobby he likes with helping other people in the Heroes Save Villages. Uh, charity that he oversees and runs. So uh, here at Say Villages donates money to the charity SOS Children's Villages, which helps orphans get back on their feet, donates money to that cause. And Kevin has been supporting that by running his games and promoting his Here at Say Villages campaign, usually in quarterly segments. He gets donations from a lot of different companies to put out a raffle, but that's that's almost like a side thing. It's kind of cool, and maybe gets people to, to donate for a chance to be in the raffle, but the neatest thing is that he has continued this, and how much money he's raised uh, this year is bigger than last year, and even big and bigger than the year before, so it keeps growing. And uh, right now, you can donate and become be in the raffle until December 1st. Again, he does this quarterly. And I'll put the Heroes Save Villages information in the show notes so you can go there and donate. But I just wanted to mention that and uh, give a shout-out to that, at least in this segment. There might be a few mentions maybe today uh, for RPG A Day 2021. But uh, this one I think is an important one. And uh, I hope you can uh, follow it up. Thank you. Right, so this weekend I played in three games run by Kevin Madison of the Dungeon Musings Media Empire, and the last game I played in was our Warhammer Fantasy 2nd Edition game. I believe we're running through Ill Tidings, the adventure um, in the Bretonia source book from the 2nd Edition. So we're in the woods um, somewhere in Bretonia, and we've been... we had previously rescued some peasants that have been captured by some sort of uh, demonic cult and we returned them to the town but they though they were not greeted wholeheartedly and with open arms where they were by their fellow villagers but then the lord came down and said well hang him for leaving their serfdom obligation and then hang those people who brought him here because they're bandits um, so we kind of had to fight our way out. Uh, one of our members got pretty badly injured, 
but we were rescued by by these men from the woods. I don't remember the exact name of them, but they're the Bretonian equivalent of the Robin Hood folks, although they could be just bandits. So we go to their camp, get some information about things. Our other another companion joins us, the Knight Roland, um, and we tell him what we why we brought the peasants here, why we're in trouble in the first place. He says, yes, the Lord is bad and corrupt, but that could be all over Bretonia. We don't really have any information that the Lord is complicit with this cult, but he tells us of this barrow where there is mutant activity or strange activity. So in this adventure, we went there. When we got there, uh, one of the halfling in the party named Jacob, he snuck up there, got some recon, got some good intel and recon, was not captured. He saw two beastmen acting as guards. Uh, we dealt with them very quickly, which was cool. We, uh, man, my character was like on fire with his damage. Didn't hit all the time, but when he hit, I was rolling really high. And then in this game, if you roll a uh, 10, then you get to roll again. Uh, you are blessed or Sigmar slash Ulrich smiles upon you. Uh, one of those gods does. So Ulrich, I think it's Ulrich's Fury. So it's Ulrich. Um, Sigmar 3 might be something else. I don't know. So we we took them took them on. No one was injured, which was great and surprising. Uh, we killed two beast men pretty quickly and handily. And it did not seem that there was a response from the Barrow. So we sort of sneak into the Barrow. And it turns out it is occupied. We see a, a mutant cooking the place reeks uh several of us spend a few seconds more than a few seconds a couple rounds vomiting uh jacob meanwhile throws sling stones at this one mutant as he's yelling and screaming and he is dispatched before the other mutants pour out of their the different rooms around the side of this main hallway and uh and this is kind of when Goril, my character, my dwarven character, just goes nuts. He, the the door opens. And, uh, he throws a dagger at the first one, catches him in the eye, kills him instantly. Takes a couple rounds to hack up another mutant in that doorway, and then moves to help his fellows who are dealing with and dispatching the other mutants. So he he does pretty well. I think I took down four of these guys, rolling really high for damage, and like I said, not hitting every time, but it was a good good fight. Um, we then got to explore a little bit. We found a prisoner who did implicate and point to the room that belonged to the Lord of the land, Lord Isengald or whatever. And, um, so we haven't investigated that room yet. He says, don't open that room because there's something foul inside. And then beyond that room is something even more foul, uh, where they ritually sacrifice apparently people, uh, for, as a compact to some nefarious power. I'm leaning towards the chaos god Nurgle since it smells and reeks of disease and you know it seems to have that sort of trapping. But it was a pretty cool game. Two good combats. Uh, we survived. Combat in Warhammer is deadly no matter what incarnation uh, you play, whether it's first or third, second or third or fourth edition. So, um, pretty cool enjoying the game and now we got some we might get some info 
if we can survive what lies behind door number three and four. So the last thing I'm going to mention today is a little scene or an anecdote from the current show that my wife and I are watching, Wilhelm and Marie. So it's a, sorry, Maximilian and Marie. It's a story of Maximilian I, the Holy Roman Emperor, and his relationship with Marie, the Duchess of Burgundy. But the, so I'll set the scene. Maximilian is imprisoned in Cologne. His father has convinced the Council of Cologne to keep him there and not let him leave until he pays off his, his uh, debts that he and his crew have accrued. Uh, he was beset with the plague through another trick, through a trick, and has had to recover. He survived. He sends his, by proxy, he sends his chamberlain, uh, Wolfgang von Polheim, to the Duchess of Burgundy, who has been beset or continuously had been put pressure on by uh, one of the Louis, the king of the current king of France, I think it's Louis the Eleventh at that time, to get married because the Duchess of the 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 Dukedom of Burgundy has a, a hell of a lot of money, um, and they've slowly been trying to pressure her by killing her men, uh, attempted rapes and other nefarious deeds, killing her father and her father's men, uncles, etc. Um, but she holds steadfast with her, uh, the support of her ladies-in-waiting, and uh, Maximilian has heard about her and wants to help. At least that's the impression I get watching, watching it. So he sends his guy over there. Oh, and then she's, they're going to force her to marry this 13-year-old Dauphine, the, uh, the son, or Louis is the son of uh, Louis, the king of France. So Maximilian, hearing this, sends his, his chamberlain, Wolfgang von Polheim, to marry, to marry, to get married, but it's like a marriage by proxy. I guess that could happen. So effectively, Maximilian and Marie are going to get married, but it's actually Wolfgang who is standing in for his buddy. So uh, fortunately, the church in, that, in, the, in Burgundy are sympathetic to Marie, and they help her out. These dudes come in to the church right after they, you know, say, you know, that they're married or the priest says that they're married. Um, and remember, it's Marie and Wolfgang von Polheim. And these dudes come in and they um, they go, oh, well, this is a farce. Uh, you should, uh, we're going to take you prisoner um, and we're going to, you know, kick all your asses, right? And then I'm like, oh man, I hope this doesn't happen the way it usually happens in a show. I hope it happens the way it happens in D&D &D, where, you know, there's a, there's a fight. They fight their way out. And one guy comes up to Wolfgang and he says, give me your sword. And then, <laughs> this is great because I was yelling at the TV, right, for Wolfgang to do something cool. And he does. He cuts the dude's arm off. And he goes, there's your sword. And of course, the guy's all bleeding. The people are freaking out. He and his men—he's got some like Haas group of men with them too, right? So they all get get ready to fight. But then you know they dra they the the bad guys drag out this guy whose arm is gushing blood. But I thought that was cool, and I thought I'd mention it because right, that never happens in a TV in a in like a period drama. You're like, man, they're gonna give in. The people are screwed. They did something that we would probably do 
in D&D. So I thought I'd mention that. Uh, as an aside, uh, I should also mention that Wolfgang von Polheim is played by Stefan Pohl, and he was an Olympian uh, back, I think, in 2000. So that's pretty cool. Uh, 